today, Rinpoche gave a very clear explanation of the distinguishing points of great compassion and the various differences between that and bodhicitta. Peace Rinpoche. Uh, so when we, um, right now, uh, we're going to be entering into the section and the stages of uh, uh, training in the spirit of enlightenment. And specifically, the major heading is training the mind in the stages of the path for persons of great capacity. Um, so uh, we're moving a little bit uh, into the text where we get into the two causal lineages for the development of bodhicitta, for the development of the mind uh, that aspires to enlightenment. Here it's called the spirit of awakening in here. Uh, so there's two causal lineages. The first causal lineage uh, is passed down from Lord Atisha, and it's called equalizing and exchange, I'm sorry, it's called the seven-point cause and effect uh, for realizing the mind that aspires to enlightenment. Uh, and then the second lineage of instruction is passed down uh, from Master Shantideva, uh, and that is called the equalizing and exchanging self uh, with others' practices. Uh, so um, we, when we look at the um, explanation of these, uh, we have two major headings. The first is the, the certainty about the order of the stages, and then, uh, then we have um, how the six personal instructions uh, are either um, causes of or effects of uh, compassion, so the other six. So in the seven-point cause and effect, compassion is one of the seven. So the other six are either causes for great compassion or effects of great compassion. Uh, so what that means is, is that in the first section uh, where we have the developing the certainty about the order of the stages, we find that compassion is the root of the Mahayana. It's the root of all of, all of the practices. And then the second category shows us how this seven-point cause and effect personal instruction, which contains these seven, uh, one of them being compassion, when we look at all of the steps 
we find that they're either causes of great compassion or results of it. So the seven-point cause and effect, the first steps, uh, which would fall uh, um, uh, under the category of causes of great compassion are recognizing all sentient beings are our mothers, remembering their kindness, wishing to repay their kindness, and then love through the force of attraction or love through the force of affection. So these steps all lead up to great compassion. And then in the seven-point cause and effect, after great compassion, we find the wholehearted resolve or extraordinary attitude, and then bodhicitta itself, the spirit of awakening, the mind that aspires to enlightenment. So those two are results of great compassion or effects of great compassion, and the other four are causes of uh, great compassion. Um, so uh, this is how we look at that second category and see that once we've recognized that compassion is the root of the Mahayana, and according to the seven-point cause and effect, we find things that are either causes of compassion or effects of compassion. Digsung Rinpoche. Okay. <laughs> on this text and in his commentary he states that in this section there are three major headings um, first the differences the differences of great compassion or the difference and just the differences we'll find out what that means of great compassion the second is uh, doubts that arise in relation to compassion and bodhicitta or uh, compassion in the spirit of awakening and then the third category is that doubts arise that arise about the differences. Um, so 
These are the three major headings. And then the first major category um, has nine points, giant Sheba states. So we'll get into those nine points now in the body of the text. Okay. Okay, so um, when the first section, um, uh, which is the differences, uh, and so the cultivation of compassion, uh, the first category we find the object of observation um, of compassion. So what is compassion looking at? What is it focused on? Uh, so that object of observation uh, is uh, presented. Um, so what, what, uh, so the object of observation is uh, all sentient beings. So in the text it says living beings who experience misery through any of the three kinds of suffering. Um, so this is what uh, it states uh, that um, the object of observation of compassion is. Uh, so what is compassion? So when we see a small child who's experiencing suffering uh, and we want to remove that suffering that he or she is experiencing, that is compassion for and, uh, that child. So the object of observation of, of compassion in that example um, is a child who's suffering and then our desire is to remove that suffering uh, from the child. So uh, here, this is what compassion for um, a, a child is. So in this particular kind of compassion that we're speaking of here, it's a compassion um, that looks at the three types of be beings that we experience in life, those beings that are our friends, those beings that are our enemies, and those beings that are our neutrals, and then uh, one arises or has an arisal of a desire uh, to have them separated from every type of suffering that they experience. So when we have as our object of observation um, all sentient beings uh, and we wish to remove uh, their suffering, then this thought, the, the wish to remove the suffering of all sentient beings, is what uh, the great compassion that we're speaking of uh, is. So uh, that's how we qualify something as great compassion or not compassion. It's whether or not there is a wish uh, to remove or separate uh, sentient beings from, from suffering. Uh, so uh, this is the um, qualification of the object of observation and, and what it means uh, um, what it means to uh, have have it. Um, so let me just make sure. And then Rimache gave the um, definition uh, for uh, great compassion, which is uh, 
I'll find it when when in, in, in between the next, but it's uh, the definition of great compassion is as having as its object of observation all sentient beings. It's a desire to separate all of those sentient beings from suffering. Uh, so that's the definition of uh, great compassion. Decent. <laughs> Okay, so when we divide uh, compassion, ninji chempo ewa ninji ewa. Okay, so the nin when we divide great, I was just making sure because there's compassion and great compassion. So when we divide great compassion into categories, there are three categories. Uh, um, compassion, which observes sentient beings, compassion, which uh, uh, observes uh, impermanence, and compassion, which observes uh, phenomena. Um, so, um, and, and that uh, compassion, which observes uh, phenomena, is called observationless compassion. Um, so, uh, it, so it's, it's called observationless and then sometimes uh, immeasurable or immutable. Um, it's the, the word that's in the um, mantra of um, Lama Tsongkhapa, the, and it's translated a lot of different ways, but observationless um, is what I've seen most of the time, observationless um, compassion. Uh, and then, uh, so what, what is the meaning of these three types of compassion, great compassion? So the first type of great compassion, which observes sentient beings, is a compassion which merely uh, looks at sentient beings and wishes to remove their suffering, but in no way um, has the sentient being's impermanence in, in the thought or the sentient being's emptiness in the thought. Uh, so there's merely this object of observation of a sentient being, but that sentient being's impermanence or it, his or her emptiness or lack of, of true establishment isn't understood within that great compassion. Uh, so this is the first type. Uh, the second uh, um, uh, type 
Uh, oh, I know what I did. Uh, I just mistranslated it. Is the uh, compassion which observes phenomena. Um, so this type is a type of compassion which recognizes the impermanence, uh, has the wisdom realizing the impermanence of those sentient beings as well. Uh, so there's this compassion for the sentient beings, but it has the wisdom realizing empty, uh, uh, impermanence within it. Uh, so um, there are, many, as a translator's note, there are many types of wisdoms, wisdom realizing emptiness, wisdom realizing impermanence. So here this is qualification, is the wisdom realizing impermanence uh, is, is active um, with this compassion. And then the third type of compassion, which is observationless uh, compassion, is the type which recognizes uh, this emptiness of the sentient being uh, that one is, has as his or her object of observation. So the lack of true establishment of that sentient being. So the first is just merely object of observation, the sentient being, without recognition of his or her impermanence or emptiness. The second is the rec wisdom, this, this compassion with the wisdom realizing impermanence. And the third is the compassion with the wisdom realizing emptiness. The, the Somba, the Doni Dopishera Yengu. Okay, the Lapsa. Mm-hmm. Ah, so those are the three uh, types of great compassion. Uh, so when we look at the Four Noble Truths, uh, and we, we look at the 16 attributes of the Four Noble Truths, so we look at the truth of suffering itself, and we see that in the truth of suffering there is the, in the four attributes of impermanent suffering, selflessness, and emptiness. Um, so when we compare this with great compassion, we find that, uh, um, uh, okay, so we have these three categories of great compassion. We have the um, uh, great compassion which observes sentient beings, and then the great compassion which observes <coughs> phenomena, and then we know that that qualifies as having wisdom realizing impermanence, and then the observationless um, compassion. Um, but then others, uh, a big debate, or what scholars debate about is that great compassion um, also has these 16 attributes. So there are 16 wisdoms realizing each one of these. Uh, let me try that again. Uh, it's, I'm trying to translate a lot of words that Rinpoche, the, the scholars debate about that there are 16 wisdoms realizing 
these various attributes of suffering um, that are compassion. So there are, there are basically 16 types of compassion which have the wisdom realizing one among these 16. So uh, of the attributes of the Four Noble Truths. So when we look at the truth of suffering, we have impermanent suffering, selflessness, emptiness. True origins, we have uh, cause, um, uh, origin, strong production, and condition. True cessations, we have cessation, pacification, auspicious, auspicious highness, and definite emergence. And then true paths, we have path, suitability, achievement, and deliverance. So there's a wisdom realizing each one of those 16 attributes. So there is a compassion then that observes, and observes sentient beings that is coupled with the wisdom that realizes these. So the wisdom, just as a translator's note, the wisdom that realizes the impermanence uh, um, of sentient beings. So the wisdom that realizes the suffering of sentient beings. So we have impermanence, suffering, selflessness, emptiness. So there's a wisdom, not only are you thinking you want to remove that sentient being's suffering, but then you're also recognizing because of a wisdom that's arisen, one of these attributes about that sentient being. So does that make sense? That's how one has a wisdom that realizes one of these attributes at the same time of compassion. So it's realizing the sentient being's em emptiness. So the debate that takes place then is, here it says there are three categories of great compassion. When we look at those observing sentient beings, where do we find th those? So are there three categories or are there 16 categories? Because we can find, of course, the impermanence and we can find the selflessness and emptiness. So there's just a big debate about how those three fit in, if they're separate categories, etc. So there's just a large debate about this, how many different types of compassion are there? Because there's compassion that observes these 16 attributes um, so there, are there 16? Are there three? Where do those three fall into the 16? So there's just a big debate about those topics. Selpo Lapsum. What the children are like, keep them who you are, what they keep them on rules. So there are many among you who are scholars. So this is what scholars think about. Uh, so many among you are scholars. So this is the subject matter that real scholars think about. These you know, the debating and, and looking at these different subjects. So a, a scholar would have a doubt as soon as when they, when they saw this in presentation. ご。ちょちょちょまるべ。ひじ、ひじごんばらせ、てんま、ごごてれ、たたこちょ、あんがてんな。ひじごんばらたんごごてれ。すんじゃ、どん。ぐいすんじゃ、すんじゃ、ち
Okay, so the first uh, category among the nine of Jayan Shebas is the object of observation of compassion. So here uh, we have it. In order to understand the cultivation of compassion, you must know the following topics. The object of compassion is living beings who experience misery through any of the three kinds of suffering. Uh, so here this means sentient beings who are experiencing any among the three, the suffering of suffering, the suffering of change, and the pervasive compounded suffering. So it's sentient beings experiencing those um, pains. So small, so um, the object of observation here uh, is any sentient being experiencing any among the three types of suffering, <coughs> suffering of change, suffering of suffering, pervasive compounded suffering. So when we see a small child cry, uh, suffering, uh, we want to remove that suffering. So here, the object of observation of our compassion is a small child experiencing suffering because he or she's crying. In this case, the object of observation of great compassion is all sentient beings who experience these three types of suffering. <laughs> So, the next uh, category is called the subjective aspects. So, what are the subjects uh, that are thought about um, in this uh, particular? Um, about this object of observation. What are the subjects thought about uh, this object of observation? Um, so here it says, how nice it would be if living beings were free from suffering. May they be free from suffering. I will cause them to be free from suffering. Uh, so here we have uh, various uh, uh, types of semba. The 
Okay, so this is a, an example we could use would be with the small child crying. Uh, we see the small child crying and we think how nice it would be uh, if that small child wasn't sad or wasn't crying. And then, may they not cry. May, they, may they, their crying be removed. And then, they're crying for some reason, so maybe they are sick or they need to go to the doctor. When you start to take them to the doctor, then this becomes the, I will cause them to be free from suffering, the wholehearted resolve. So you can see in this example of how one generates this type of compassion, an aspiring compassion when you want the child to stop crying and stop suffering. You're saying, I, may they stop suffering. Uh, it, it's more conclusive. And then you do something about it, and that's the wholehearted resolve. And these are the, how we could compare that everyday activity to this point made in the Lamrim Chemo about compassion in the three types and levels.
and uh, nothing missing. And we begin with our friends, uh, and then we move on towards uh, neutrals, uh, and then uh, towards our uh, enemies. So we do it in this specific uh, order um, in order to gradually increase our ability to do it. And once we have an, a kind of an equal um, reaction to enemies and friends uh, in this meditation, then we can spread the meditation out to all sentient beings that abide in all directions. Okay, so just as a note, uh, previously we said uh, that number three ended um, specific, uh, while distinguishing specific objects of meditation. Um, it actually is going to end at the ten directions because number four uh, begins a point about uh, Kamalashila, um, and it really should be included in number four and not in number three. 
Um, so number three is going to end when you have equal compassion for your enemies and friends, cultivate it gradually toward all living beings in ten directions. It's actually debatable, but that's the way we're going to do it. We're going to end it there. And then number four, Kamala Sheila, following the discourses on knowledge, set out this way of gradually cultivating impartiality, love, and compassion. I'm going to just read it all and then give the commentary. Well, uh, while distinguishing specific objects of meditation. It is an extremely important point. If you train in these attitudes of impartiality, love, and compassion without distinguishing and taking up specific objects of meditation, but only using a general object from the outset, you will just seem to generate these attitudes. Then when you try to apply them to specific individuals, you will not be able to actually generate these attitudes towards anyone. But once you have a transformative experience towards an individual in your meditation practice, as explained previously, you may then gradually increase the number of individuals you visualize within your meditation. Finally, take all beings in general as your object of meditation. When you sustain this practice in meditation, you will generate these attitudes correctly, whether you are dealing with individuals or a group. Uh, so here the point is that one needs to follow this specific order and apply these steps the way that they're presented. Just having a general meditation on beings with, without any connection uh, could mislead one into thinking that they're actually having realizations when they're not, when they don't try to apply it to real life. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't work. So the points being made here are from Kamala Shila. Uh, Kamala Shila is stating, Kamala Shila is uh, an Indian pandit, you find his texts in the authentic Indian commentaries, um, uh, which are called the Tanjur. But the Kangjur, there are three baskets. And there are the Abhidharma basket, the Vinaya basket, and the Sutra basket. And the, the, the Kangjur are the pronouncements of Lord Buddha. So all, if it's a pronouncement of Lord Buddha, it will necessarily fall within one of those three categories. The discourses on the Abhidharma were considered the discourses on wisdom or on knowledge. And that's what there's discourses on knowledge. So they're speaking of discourses on the Abhidharma here. Uh, so the Abhidharma were discourses on knowledge. The Sutra basket were uh, discourses on concentration. And then the um, Vinaya basket, we find the discourses on ethical discipline or on ethical behavior. Uh, so all of the Buddha's teachings fall within these three categories. And here it's saying Kamala Shila says that in all the Buddha's discourses on knowledge, all the Buddha's Abhidharma discourses, it says that there's a stages for gradually generating impartiality, love, and compassion. That they have to be done in that order. And there have to be specific objects of observations used. You have to use your friends and establish your meditation with that. Then enemies. Then neutrals. And then to some broad general topic. But there needs to be specific topics used initially in order to generate a real life realization. Uh, so uh, this is the point of number four uh, and the three baskets. Um, and that's everything. And just as a translator's note, the, these books behind here, uh, we have two categories. Well, actually, there's more. There's three. But the, the point is of this is that the Kangjur are the pronouncements of Lord Buddha, that everything that the Buddha spoke of. There's a uh, uh, hundred books of those. And then there's 213 authentic Indian commentaries, the Tanjur. 
So that's what these books are. And that's just a translator's note. Rinpoche didn't say that. Okay, Digson. Kamalashila Pulpiyot is. So Kamalashila came to Tibet. He was from India and he came to Tibet. Uh, and uh, also um, Shandarashita as well. Shandarashita so then they founded uh, Shandarashita founded Saik Sulakang which Saik monastery um, and at that monastery they began uh, to translate all of these discourses from Pali and Sanskrit into the Tibetan language so um, all of the the pronouncements of, and so forth were then, uh, because Shandarashita made this monastery, kind of a translation monastery, uh, to, to, to make, these, make these texts available in Tibetan. So they were from Pali and Sanskrit. So within... Uh, the Tsaik, the monastery, we also found a, there's a, a Chinese um, uh, group uh, a, 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 that are connected to the master Hashan, uh, who we've heard stories of. Primitive um, didn't give any more details, but uh, from uh, followers of the master Hashan were also within the, um, this, this community at Tsaik Sulakang. They were more focused on just plain straight meditation than anything else. Okay, so the, the, then uh, there was a great translator named Drajur Peling. Drajur Lopunling. Okay, oh, I see. Drajur Lopunling. Uh, he was a translator uh, and was really responsible for a large amount of the Sanskrit and Pali uh, being converted into the Tibetan. Mm. Oh, okay, so then more and more of this view of Hashan has started to spread uh, within the monastery and within Tibet. Uh, and this was a view of just meditation and nothing else uh, without any real study. Um, just a view of, of, of an absent view, basically, just of meditation. Um, and this is why Kamala Shila was asked to come to Tibet to clarify um, things that had um, begun um, being misinterpreted as they felt at the time. Uh, so it's time to take a break and have yeah. snacks. We'll be back. Can I get you anything? I'm good, thank you. I appreciate it. Do you go go to do it? Still on uh, page um, forty-four uh, in the English, and uh, oh right.
Okay, so the way to cultivate compassion is number five. Uh, so we're completed number four and we're on number five. Okay. Um, so, uh, number five. If you train in these attitudes uh, of impartiality, love, and compassion without... Hold on here. I made a mistake. Uh, the way to cultivate compassion is as follows. Uh, so, way down here, page 44. Uh, consider how these living beings, your mother, experience general and specific sufferings after falling into cyclic existence. I explained uh, these sufferings or earlier. Um, so, what this means here is we use as our object of observation um, all sentient beings. So, here it says, your mother. So, we recognize that our own uh, continuum is beginningless, and just like our continuum is beginningless, all sentient beings' continuums are also beginningless. Uh, so we recognize this point and then arrive at, through the meditations previously explained, that all sentient beings are our mothers. So it's saying, consider how these living beings, your mothers, uh, experience general and specific sufferings um, after falling into cyclic existence. So. Uh, the general sufferings are the, the sufferings such as the suffering of uh, suffering, the suffering of change, a pervasive compounded suffering, birth, aging, sickness, and death. These are all general types of suffering. Um, the specific types of suffering are the specific sufferings that individuals in that specific realm 
uh, have that are unique to those individuals. So the specific sufferings of a hell being, specific sufferings of a hungry ghost being, the specific sufferings of a human, specific sufferings of a demigod, the specific sufferings of a god. So these are what is meant by specific. So the general sufferings are this just generalities and specifics are specific to the um, realm and type of individual that you are um, born as. Dixang Rimche. What did that? And what did Truba tell you? Truba. They are Harajibu. Dingil Lajambe. Jiba Yina. Ranking Alaba de Gombe Chilla on your rose. What did Truba and Wah? They are Hajibin Dingi. Jibin Ding along Lajon Yuba Yina. ဟာကျဘန်ဒီကလောလာကျပေကျဘန်ဒီကထူတလဲစံပါကျောင်းကိုသစံပါတကျပေစစ်တလာလူသူဆိုဝါထပတွေပြလာကျတာကျတင်း
points that out, um, that it says, uh, you will assess your own situation and cultivate compassion towards others. Uh, so it shows that it's a need in order for the co compassion to be cultivated. Dixon. Okay, and then um, number six finishes with by following this method, you will easily generate compassion. Um, so that's added on there as well. It's actually just a short, so just add that on there as well. Uh, and then number seven. Considering your, uh, has two parts, Jayan Sheva says. So the first part, Rimache just read the first part and said this is the first part. Uh, so number seven, considering your own suffering creates the determination to be free. Thinking about others' suffering creates compassion. Um, however, if you do not first consider your own suffering, you will not reach the key point of the practice. Uh, so by thinking of your own suffering, uh, you generate renunciation, the determination to be free. That's what um, the same word that we use, we translate as renunciation, determination to be free, the desire to definitely emerge. So you consider your own suffering and generate renunciation. When you think about others' suffering, when you think about others' suffering of suffering, pervasive compounded suffering, and the suffering of change, when you think of these various sufferings that they have to endure, then and, and you then think that you wish to make those sentient beings free from suffering and the causes of suffering, then this arises compassion. So thinking of your own suffering allows you to generate renunciation. Thinking of others' suffering and wanting to remove it generate, is a generation of compassion. So wanting to remove your own suffering is renunciation. Wanting to remove others is compassion. Digson. Oh, Jetta, Dumbagan, Dumbanigan, Dumbo de Jetta, Nibat, Tadan, Sambatan, this, Tadan, Sambatan, the Rantin, and you, Sambachi, Sudan, Gentlemen, and Hiji, Sudalo, Sambatan, this, Sambatan, de Jeba, Jeba Santa, and the Bayoba Hina, Ne, Jeba, Niji, Meba, Dunga Jata, Josh, and Sasumba, Sumba, Louis, two Yoba Naji. Gumba Shaws and the Dunga Jatan Jet 
Okay. So the second part of number seven then is as follows. Uh, there are simple illustrations of how to meditate. Intelligent persons should meditate in detail on the 110 sufferings that are observed with compassion. These are explained in the Bodhisattva levels. Um, so this is the text that at break I was looking for. Uh, the Shansa, the Bodhisattva levels, is by Master Asanga. Um, Master Asanga wrote the five treatises on the levels. Um, and the, this level, this particular one, is one of those treatises on the levels. Um, so hopefully we'll be able to pull that out. Um, and Rinpoche said that uh, what this means is scholars, those who uh, want to be very thorough, um, meditate on the 110 types of suffering that Asanga writes about in his text. So then the object of observation for your compassion becomes sentient beings experiencing any among the 110 types of suffering. Uh, so then this becomes the object of observation of compassion. And by utilizing such a broad uh, um, object of observation and, and using the 110 types of suffering as your basis for um, compassion, then this uh, sentient beings experiencing the 110 types of suffering serving as the basis of your compassion allows it to become very firm and stable uh, because we've looked at it in so many different ways uh, and truly exp uh, have recognized sentient beings uh, suffering. Dixon. So that's that concludes this uh, second part of number two. So <laughs> Semba Nature 
So number eight, uh, we speak of the different mind generations that uh, the hearers and solitary realizers versus the bodhisattvas uh, experience and compare them. Uh, furthermore, it is said that the bodhisattvas' thoughts of suffering during their cultivation of compassion is more numerous than Shravaka's thoughts, which perceive suffering with an attitude of disenchantment. The final and actual knowledge of the truth of suffering for the Shravakas. If you reflect from limitless viewpoints on how beings lack happiness and have suffering, you will develop much love and compassion. Moreover, if you think about this for a long time, your love and compassion uh, will be strong and steady. The Rinpoche, the Kabarkagadu, the Namjepa? Jepa, the Kagadu, Niji Gombe. ドゲンセバモンソンソウォスウォトバジェバロジェバレドアメバナンドマゴバレウォレタデワメパドアメバナドゲンセジドアテンドゴバレウォレオッケーデッツゴーデワメバナナガイデインジケイダデワメパオッ
uh, and then bodhisattvas. So the hearers and solitary realizers are Shravakas and Prachikabuddhas, uh, the names in Sanskrit. So here they're using the Sanskrit name Shravaka, that's a hearer in English. Um, so what it's saying is that the bodhisattva generates actually um, be, um, more, their, their disenchantment with cyclic existence is actually stronger because of their compassion that they generate for sentient beings suffering than that of a Shravaka whose only point at all times is thinking about their disenchantment with cyclic existence. So it's saying even though their day and night focus it would make it seem like their disenchantment would be more, um, that it's actually not because those bodhisattvas are thinking of others' suffering and separating them from it at all times, which actually fuels their own desire uh, to emerge. Um, so, that's it. That's right. <laughs> Mabuchella, <laughs> Ne so number nine, <clears throat> if you reflect from limitless viewpoints on how beings lack happiness and have suffering, you will develop much love and compassion. Moreover, if you think about this for a long time, your love and compassion will be strong and steady. Therefore, if you are satisfied with just a little personal instruction and neglect to familiarize yourself with the explanations of the classical texts, your compassion and love will be very weak. Uh, so here... Uh, if you don't f hear this word familiarize, um, is the chosen word for gom, uh, which is we translate uh, a lot as meditation. So, and just as a translator's note, because there's a lot of new people, what we always use this word meditation, meditation. In Tibetan, if you break down what that word really is, it just means to familiarize uh, again and again. So to familiarize yourself, to, to look at something again and again, to become familiar with it. So when we see this word familiar, familiarize, that means meditation. When we see familiarize yourself, they're just choosing different words to use than meditate on. 
Um, so just be aware, because as a translator, I know that word is so loaded, and people think meditation has to be something very specific when it doesn't even mean that in the word. It means familiarize. Um, so, uh, so just going back to that, so you need to familiarize yourself with many, many different, meditate on many, many different types of suffering and, and sentient being suffering in order for your realization to be strong. It says your compassion and love will be very weak if you don't do that. If you just hear a couple of, of small discourses and then you don't familiarize yourself over and over with the, the in-depth points that are made in the classical text, then you will not arrive at a, a strong, uh, stable type of compassion or love. Uh, it will be controvertible. It won't be stable. Um, so it's saying that you have to think about it for a long time, and if you do, then it'll be strong and steady. So if you use many examples and think over and over again, sometimes it's translated as familiarizing or thinking over and over again. Uh, if you think over and over again about these subjects and using many examples and many ways of looking at it, then it will be strong and steady. So it says, it, don't be satisfied with a small personal instruction. Go further than that so that you really will realize these things because it's not something simple to do um, that it just requires a few words. It requires a long time and a lot of familiarization with a lot of different Examples. Okay, so uh, when we began the class, we said that there were three categories here. So this the first category has the, the nine different points that are made. Now the second category uh, we get into are the, the differences or doubts that arise, I'm sorry, the doubts that arise about compassion and bodhicitta. I think that's the category. Doubts that arise um, about compassion and bodhicitta. So uh, Jayan Sheba says that in this section uh, there are actually four points uh, that are uh, going to be made. Uh, so therefore he has four categories in this second uh, category. Um, and again, the first category uh, we've completed, um, and that was the, the category of, I um, can't remember the name of it. Anybody have it written down? First category of the three? Nope. What is it? Okay, that's right. Yeah, the chapa. Uh, so the differences of, of compassion. So different points of compassion. And so there were nine that we went through. Uh, and then now we get into the uh, doubts that arise. Digsum. So doubts about compassion and bodhicitta has four categories. Sajin Ludan, Hinjitan Lusula, 
Um, so, <clears throat> number one among the four uh, is as follows. So it says, uh, Moreover, after you have thoroughly distinguished objects of meditation according to uh, previous explanation, uh, how compassion is the root, how the development of the spirit of enlightenment is the entrance to the Mahayana, and so forth, you must then analyze these explanations with discerning wisdom and elicit the experience produced after sustaining, excuse me, sustaining them uh, in meditation. Uh, so uh, we then look at this point that's made here. So why we, we have to go back to the previous learning. So we have uh, the only entrance into the Mahayana uh, is um, compassion is the only entrance into the Mahayana. So why... Uh, is that? What is the point of that? And, and how, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, compassion is the root, and then the, the entering the Mahayana requires the mind that aspires to enlightenment. Or so I said that wrong before. So the compassion is the root of the Mahayana, and the only way uh, that you can uh, be a great vehicle practitioner is if you have this spirit of awakening, the mind that aspires to enlightenment. It's a qualification for a great vehicle comp- uh, practitioner. So why is compassion uh, important? Compassion is important uh, in the beginning, the middle, uh, and the end. Um, it's important uh, in the beginning uh, because it's like a seed um, that begins to grow. It's in- important in the middle because it's like a water uh, that nurtures that seed, or it's like a water and, and light, water and light and so forth that nurture the seed. Um, and then why is it important in the end? Because it's a ripening result. It's the ripening. It allows for the ripening of sentient beings. Um, uh, that's the way it's translated, because it allows for the ripening of others. Uh, so it's important at the beginning, uh, the middle, uh, and the end. And this, is, uh, uh, this was previously uh, pointed out um, in the, the chapter and the showing the root of the, of the Mahayana path, uh, is compassion, um, and it showed how it was important in, uh, in the beginning, the middle, um, and the end. Dixon, <laughs> 
So the great compassion is the root of the Mahayana. So the entrance to the Mahayana is bodhicitta, but the root of the Mahayana um, is great compassion uh, because it's important uh, at the beginning, the middle, and the end. And when we look at the seven-point cause and effect for realizing the mind that aspires to enlightenment, we find that the things are either causes for great compassion or results of great compassion. So recognizing sentient beings are our mothers, remembering their kindness, wishing to repay their kindness, and love through the force of attraction are all causes of great compassion. And then the wholehearted resolve or extraordinary attitude, and then bodhicitta are actually results of great compassion. So you can see that everything's a cause for or a result of and that's why it's the only entrance to the Mahayana. I mean, the, they did it again. That's why it is the root of the Mahayana and is the cause of the only entrance to the Mahayana, which is Bodhicitta. Digsarin <laughs> Less so. Uh, so it's why uh, we find um, in various texts uh, great compassion is pointed out as being uh, so important. Uh, it's pointed out um, in the Mahayana Sutra Alamkara uh, by Lord Matraya, where it says that its root is great compassion. Um, so uh, here, it's um, is referring to the its part here is referring to um, the the Mahayana or the great vehicle um, and 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 com compassion here is is its root and then in uh, the text by Kamala Shila uh, the um, middle middle stages of meditation or the stages of meditation uh, we find another uh, point. Uh, where it says, having entered into this practice, uh, they will certainly complete the collection of merit and insight. Accor accomplishing the accumulation of merit and insight is like having omniscience itself in the palm of your hand. Therefore, since compassion is the only root of omniscience, you should become familiar with this practice from the very beginning. What <laughs> You will not Nipa, you must I wonder if they broke the sentences up. I mean the sentences in English. One second. 
So number two, you will not achieve anything with the unclear experiences that come when you make a short, concentrated effort without precisely clarifying the topic with your understanding. Know that this is true for all other kinds of practice as well. Um, so here, it's saying that you have to know everything about compassion. You have to thoroughly analyze the subject. Okay, what is the object of observation of compassion, of, of great compassion? What is the definition of great compassion? How many divisions of great compassion are there? You have to know all of these in order to have a realization of these. So it says... Uh, you will not achieve anything with the unclear experiences that come from when you make a short, concentrated effort. So even if you, you try really hard all at once, just, you know, uh, just as a translator's note, a retreat or something, just trying it just one time all at once and then not doing anything afterwards uh, it, without having this in-depth understanding and without over and doing this over and over again, uh, one won't have a, a clear understanding or realize any of these things. And it says, no, this is true for other kinds of practice, for love, for bodhicitta, any type of the wisdom realizing emptiness. All of these things require an, an, an incredible amount of effort um, and re repeated, repeated effort. Uh, so familiarization, repeated effort. Okay, so we're going to end there. I said, Rimache said, you all listened so well, thank you. And uh, we'll do the concluding monologue offering and dedication prayer. And hopefully I can find that text. Um, in there. I'm sorry? No, it's a different a different text. No, the one he took is here. It's the, and uh, Actually, I put it back. It's not the right one. So anybody who's new, we do the last two pages the, the, of the prayer book, the concluding mandala offering and dedication prayer, Samantabhadra dedication, long life prayer for Dalai Lama, and long life prayer for Rinpoche, and we do it in that order only in English. The fundamental ground is scented with incense and strewn with flowers, adorned with Mount Meru, the four continents, the sun and the moon. I imagine this as a Buddha land and offer it. May all sentient beings enjoy this pure realm. I dedicate whatever virtues I have collected for the benefit of the teachings and of all sentient beings, and in particular for the essential teachings of Venerable Lozandrapa to shine forever. I send forth this jeweled mandala to you, precious Guru. 
I dedicate all this virtue to emulate the knowledge of the hero Manjushri and likewise Samantabhadra as well, with whatever dedication is praised as supreme by all the conquerors who traverse the three times, I also dedicate all my roots of virtue for the sake of auspicious deeds. In that pure land surrounded by snowy mountains, you are the source of all benefit and happiness. All powerful Avalokiteshvara, Tenzin Yatso, may you stay until samsara's end. Pray for the long life of the precious Kensar Wandok, upholder of scriptural and realizational doctrines, spiritual friend who trained extensively in the five great philosophical texts with exceptional wisdom and perseverance. Suji Ramachi Guti Shapi Denona, Sulam Ramchamokanga Chiyama.